Hello. Welcome to If Cage Walls Could Talk, your weekly heart-to-heart on all things animals. My name is Jody Whitaker, and I'm the founder and executive director of the Chicago Alliance for Animals, the Partnership to Ban Horse Carriages Worldwide, and the Center for Ethical Science. This show was created and brought to you by my all-grassroots volunteer organizations working to liberate animals from suffering and pain. So welcome, and uh, welcome to the first show uh, of If Cage Walls Could Talk of the New Year. And it's also vegan, vegan, veganuary. I've never always had trouble saying that. So, um, if you are out there listening and you care about animals, um, have you considered veganism yet? If not, now is a good time to explore because if you care about animals, it's basically the next logical step in uh, in helping protect them from from suffering and extreme confinement. So um, I'm hoping to have guests on this month to talk more about uh, vegan veganism and and why uh, it's a good thing to do for the animals and for your health. So I'm happy today to introduce the rock stars who helped me uh, ban horse carriages in the third largest city in the country. Uh, welcome to Barbara Whelan Krantz and Claudia Chirato. <laughs> Am I saying your name right? No, but it's okay. <laughs> Long worry about it. All right, so tell us how to say your name. Mm, Claudia Chiarito. Chiarito. Claudia instead of Claudia, right? Mm, and when I, when I see you, I say Claudia. No, I like the American way. Yeah, yeah do you? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, these two ladies were a huge part of why we got horse carriages banned in Chicago. And before we really get into it, I do want to mention that we had a third person. We had a lot of people on the campaign who helped, but uh, these three people were my main uh, rocks who were always there to help me document horse carriage violations, uh, to help with uh, educational outreach, to testify before city council. But the third person, uh, Paula Rootsong, uh, sadly passed away a couple of years after we uh, banned the horse carriages. So we miss her very much. And she really was a big part. She would literally be down at the horse carriage stand almost every single weekend in no matter what kind of weather, extreme heat, extreme cold, winter storms, thunderstorms. And she would go by herself, which I didn't really like. I love that she was doing it, but I, I didn't like her being alone because it really wasn't that safe. And I couldn't be with her all the time because I usually worked on weekend nights at the time. So, um, Paula, we miss you very much. We love you, and we hope you are very happy wherever you are. <laughs> so let's get into this. Uh, with recent headlines like horse-drawn ski lift wipes out hard at Italian ski area. That was from three days ago. And on November 26, 2023, a New York City carriage horse named Gunner crashed into several cars in a panic after a driver lost control of the carriage. And horse carriage company addresses New Year's Eve crash, horse's death. What a sweet holiday activity, right? This accident sent four people to the emergency room, and the internal injuries suffered by the horse meant euthanasia. So a lot of people think that horse carriage rides and holiday horse carriage rides are a nice, relaxing, uh, quaint thing to do for fun and for romance or for tourism. But an accident or a fatality can happen in a, at a moment's notice. So... Uh, so I just wanted to uh, talk about this, our campaign. And later on in the show, Gloria Raquel Carbajal will be on from Dallas uh, talking about her very active campaign and the exciting developments happening there. Uh, so if you're listening and you have horse carriage rides in your city or town, uh, please listen and please uh, take notes and talk to us, reach out to us, because we want to help you ban horse carriages in your city. So Barbara... Uh, why don't you tell us uh, just off the top of your head, you know, what you what you remember about our work uh, and and just any ideas. And we'll, we'll go on from there. What I remember the most, not the most, but if I think about the beginning of the campaign, it was getting together before uh, heading to the horse carriage stands for our monthly outreach Um to connect with the public and kind of inform them about what horse carriages really mean. Um, we would meet at the Museum of Contemporary Art and we'd kind of talk and share notes, um, get things together that we needed to pass out, pamphlets, what it was. 
And the campaign really started out as a public outreach. Um, we would go down with our banner, and people would come down, we'd hold signs, and we'd inform people about what was really going on with these companies, with these horse carriages. And, um, you know, the campaign evolved, and because of your wonderful leadership, we, we really um, kind of changed and morphed as needed to, to make it happen. Exactly. And uh, like Barbara said, we started out, our CAA formed, Chicago Alliance for Animals formed in May of 2015. And uh, our first, we agreed as a group, there was maybe 10 of us or so at the time, uh, we agreed that horse carriages would be our first campaign and our first goal. And uh, we started out reaching out to the aldermen, different aldermen, and uh, we started out doing monthly outreach, just one hour a month, uh, holding our banner, holding signs, asking people to sign our petition and get involved and contact their aldermen. Uh, and it was in, <clears throat> after about two years or so, Barbara and I were at the National Animal Rights Conference in Washington, D.C., and sitting at our booth, and we remember it was kind of slow, and we were just talking about the campaign and how we have to pick our game up. <laughs> and I remember this very clearly. And we just decided right then and there that when we got home, we picked a day, we picked a Saturday, and we studied the laws on the books that were on the books to protect the horse, horses and the, the public. And we decided to go down to the horse carriage stand at about 9 a.m. on a Saturday. And we started documenting horse carriages. And what we found surprised us. Don't you think it surprised you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, what we found beyond multiple violations was that the horses were worked more than double what, what Chicago's law allowed. Uh, the, the law in Chicago's books was that the horses could only work six hours in a 24-hour period. But they were working them uh, the first time we got out there more than 12 hours, so more than double what the law allowed. Uh, we'll go into that a little bit more, but Claudia, Claudia, what do you remember uh, off the top of your head about this campaign and, and what, what you feel really uh, helped, helped us get there and win? What I remember is being there in the morning with you, being there in the morning with you, and checking which horse was there, looking at the markings of uh -huh. the horse, because... The owners of this company uh, changed the carriage, but not the horse. They thought they were being smarter than us, but we were checking if there was a marking on the leg or something like that. And then we see the same horse with the same colors and everything that we have pictures r late at night yeah. or during the day. Uh, I remember seeing the same horse in the morning and at night. Cold weather, hot weather, raining. Um, remember once we went to the police? Remember that day? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I, rem I remember being at the, what was it, the court? The, uh, city council. City council. Uh, I think we were, I'm not going to say that we were lucky, but that they were breaking the law so much really helped our cause. Sure. <laughs> I don't want to say we were lucky, but that helped. And we have a lot of material. We have foundation to say, okay, they are being overworked. We have in video, I remember this video of this lady, the, the one who was riding the horse, that she was throwing her cigarette butts right inside the, the bucket of water for the horse. And the, the bucket of water never been close for the horse to reach to be able to drink, even though it was dirty water. Sure. Uh, it was one after the other that they one were doing. One violation after the other. Yeah. And uh, one thing the operators would say is the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force him to drink. Well, of course, we know that to be true. But a horse can't drink if you never allow him water to drink. Yeah. And that's what we witnessed all the time is there may, well, actually at the start of our campaign, Sometimes we would go down for our monthly out outreach, and we'd get down there. I remember multiple times on very cold days, we'd get down, uh, we'd try to get there a good 10 or 15 minutes before our outreach started so we could kind of 
walk around the uh, area where the horses were to see what was going on. And there would be no water out there at all because in the summer there were there was a fountain right by the carriage stand. Mm-hmm. And so the horses, if they were brought to the fountain, they could drink the water. But in the winter, that fountain was closed. It was completely shut off. And so they would have one bucket of water at the front of the horse carriage stand. So basically, if the horse ever got to the front of the stand, he might be able to go to the bucket and drink. But we went down there uh, again multiple times, and I've got a video where I'm walking up, and we're, we had documented that there was absolutely no water. This was in a cold weather month. I don't know what month, but January, February maybe. Uh, no bucket no water available. And so once I documented it, one of the horse carriage people uh, went to the uh, a pump and was opening it to put water into the bucket. And and that reason, the reason he was doing that was because we were there. And this, this was a little bit into our campaign. So they knew what we were doing. So they knew, oh no, we better get some water for these horses. If we had not had outreach that day, those horses would have gone all day not drinking water in, in a dry, cold weather. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's what we witnessed all the time. And when you say, when you were talking about the horses uh, uh, being the cigarette butts being yeah. put thrown down and stuff like this, stuff like this happened often before they knew about us documenting. Yeah. Once they knew that we were out there documenting, that's when things would change where they would try to change out a carriage or uh, do something to try to pretend that the horse was going back. But we were making sure we knew which horses uh, were started in the morning at 9, 10, 11 in the morning. And the fact that they were still out on the street at 11, 12, 1 in the morning on Sunday morning. So they were working those horses 12 plus hours. Yeah, I also remember that, um, like you said, we would get there early in the morning and they would see us. And then the guy would go over, get the bucket, start filling it up. And before that, nothing, no water. The other thing, I you can correct me if I'm wrong, Jody, but I remember when they would, one particular horse driver would take the carriage and go hide in an alley yeah. on a side street yeah. to make it look like they are going home or taking care of the horse. But what they were actually doing, and I laugh not because it's, I laugh because it's just so outrageous, is hiding the horse carriage off the busy streets to, to try to fool us. Which was ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and crazy. if you, again, if you're listening and you want to, you want horse carriages banned in your city or town. Uh, we are here to help you. The partnership to ban horse carriages worldwide will do everything we can to guide you with these very effective steps and strategies that worked here in Chicago, and that uh, succeeded in banning horse carriages in two and a half years, which is. In my opinion, very uh, a good amount of time because some cities, such as New York City, has been working since the 1980s to ban horse carriages, and they they have accidents and fatalities regularly. I mean, multiple horses have died on their streets in just the last couple of years, and luckily, uh, Chicago never we didn't see one accident or fatality during our campaign. There was an accident where an SUV hit a horse, a carriage horse, uh, which sent the driver of the carriage and the four people, I believe three of them were children, to the emergency room. But that was in 2014, a year before we formed and before we started our campaign. So luckily, uh, we didn't ha- we didn't see those accidents or fatalities. But the, the fact is, the sad fact is, many cities do end up banning horse carriages because a horse collapses and dies on the street or because there's a lawsuit from an accident where people were seriously injured. So your city doesn't want that. That is bad press. No city wants a child or a person uh, being seriously injured or killed because of this archaic trade where we're putting thousand plus pound animals who frighten and spook very easily in the middle of a chaotic urban environment with fire engines, uh, sirens, police sirens, uh, garbage trucks and the air horns from buses, 
loud motorcycles and and pedestrians too. You know, in Chicago, we have where the horse carriage stand. There's a lot of young people running through the street, and you know, if they one time I did hear about somebody simply opening an umbrella. Some the simple act of opening an umbrella spooked a horse, a carriage horse. The horse took off, and it sent people to the emergency room. So. It's not that we're trying to put a damper on your fun, but this is an this is an archaic uh, activity that can turn deadly in a matter of seconds. So, uh, one of the very important uh, strat- strategies and steps we we uh, implemented in in addition to documenting horse carriage violations was going to city council every month and. Uh, submitting public comment before our uh, city council. So I know both of you helped me do that many times. Claudia, Claudia, do you want to talk about that? Um, I, I remember the, le- the last one, sorry, but that's the, the one I remember the most because it was the one that we were really happy about. Oh, the March March 11th. <laughs> That's a day date that I'll never forget. Maybe my, my brain doesn't want to remember the hard ones. <laughs> right. But I really remember the last one when we won. Yep. Um, we can keep talking about that, but I really want to talk. I want to mention that our outreach to every older man and getting older months on our side, maybe mm-hmm. some of them we got they got tired of listening from us, like <laughs> receiving emails from, from us, us, receiving hundreds of emails, your daily action. Daily action alerts. I think that's what really work. Yeah, I, I exactly, and I I think it takes multiple steps and strategies. Yeah, I, you just can't do one. You just can't do outreach, and and that's what mm-hmm. Barbara and I realized after uh, about two years or so. We were just doing the monthly monthly outreach, and we thought we really have to pick up our game. This is not going to work. We have to explore as many strategies as possible and and do whatever works. But yes, the DAAs. 2017 was a year where I feel like all the light bulbs were going off because that's when we uh, decided to do the to really learn and uh, make sure we knew every law in Chicago's books that pertained to the horse carriage trade. And not all the laws were on the books to protect the horses. There were plenty of laws on the books to protect the public, such as uh, horses couldn't be on the street between 4 and 6 p.m., uh, and between 7 and 9 a.m., Monday through Friday. And that was because that's rush hour and protecting the public. Nobody wants to be rushing to work and getting stuck behind a slow-moving horse. So <laughs> that was one law. Uh, there are other laws that they broke all the time. Uh, on Friday and Saturday nights, they were not allowed to go down certain streets in the Gold Coast because that is party central. Uh, there's bars and restaurants all along Rush Street in Chicago. So they were not supposed to go south of Chicago, or I'm sorry, north of Chicago uh, on Rush Street. And they would turn, take a right <laughs> off Michigan Avenue. You're both laughing. The horse carriage would take a right, leave the stand. Take a right on Michigan Avenue, take a right on Chicago Avenue, and then take a right on Rush Street going north, which was a, a violation every time. And we would stand on the corner. <laughs> we would sit in that little cafe and, and just sit by the window, <laughs> right. and there they go, and there they go. We would sit at a cafe, and, and just the minute they would take a right going north on Rush, we had our cameras, and we were videotaping, and we'd say, here is antique coaching carriage number two. The driver is Omar. And or whatever. And they are now it's after 7 or 8 p.m. I don't remember because I haven't worked on it so long. And they are now breaking Chicago's code and violating the law. And there were other times where with the 4 to 6 p.m. law, they were the law stated they are not horse carriages are not allowed on Chicago streets between 4 and 6 p.m. So they would leave the the stables, which was around. uh Clybourne and Fullerton, and they would leave at about uh, 4.30 or 5.30 p.m. and start making their way to Michigan Avenue. And we would stand by a bank. (laughs) I'm sorry, it's kind of funny. And they would come down the street at 5.30, 5.40, and we'd videotape them. And I had 
carriage drivers at the start of the campaign say, oh, we can be on the street now. We just can't be at the stand until 6 p.m. No, that's not how the law is written. That's how you're interpreting it and what you want me to believe. But I am not an attorney, but I know how to read and (laughs) interpret. And so those were violations. So every time that Barbara and Claudia and myself and Paula and others documented violations, we would send these to Business Affairs and Consumer Protection, which was a city agency tasked with enforcing these laws. Now, when our campaign first started, I reached out to BACP and asked them how uh, they were enforcing these laws. And from the head of this department, he told he told me in an email, which I shared a lot, that they were complaint driven, which means they're not at the carriage stand making sure the horses aren't on the street from four to six. They're not at the carriage stand making sure horses weren't worked 12 plus hours. They weren't at the carriage stand to make sure horses were getting water when when. They came back from a ride. It was only because of us. And at the very end of our campaign, they ended up employing two employees or employing two city employees that were down at the stand to document what we what uh, what we did for free. We never got paid to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh, So what what do you both did you learn by working on this very grassroots campaign? Uh, a couple of things I learned. The first thing is is that um, you need to up your game and you need to change depending on how the campaign is going, and that's exactly what you did. Um, the other thing I learned is that you have to be um, you have to be connected with the people who make the laws, and if you want the laws changed on the books, you need to connect with and con- consistently. Um, communicate with those lawmakers. The other thing I learned is that media makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Media is huge. Yeah. The minute you were down there around Thanksgiving, the two days after Thanksgiving in 2017, right? And you got uh, you had an alderman reach out and say that they weren't interested. Well, two days after that, on Monday, right? Saturday I was out documenting, and then on Monday I was at my paid job because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't get paid to do this work, and I got a call from Alderman Riley's office right. from his aide, and um, he changed after that media coverage. Yeah, this is a great story. Uh, so. I had went down the second time to document violations this, uh, the Saturday after Thanksgiving because, as we all know, the day or two after uh, Thanksgiving is big shopping days. And where Chicago's horse carriage trade worked mostly was along Michigan Avenue, which is kind of the big shopping area of the city. And uh, we had been trying to get a meeting with uh, Alderman Riley because the horses worked in his district for since we started in 2017 and his office really wasn't willing interested in meeting with us number one we weren't his constituents so uh, we documented again on the Saturday after Thanksgiving same thing we witnessed in September all the horses were overworked more than double horses weren't provided water uh, and uh, so on Monday I was at my uh, job I was about to I had to get to my shift, and I get a call from his office, so I take it. And his aide tells me that he wasn't interested in a ban, and so there really was there no need to meet with him. And I said, okay, well, please pass along to him that we documented every single horse being overworked more than double what the law allowed this last Saturday. Please pass that along to him and ask him to return my call. <laughs> so I didn't get a call, but less than, I think, two weeks later, uh, I woke up to a friend saying, oh, my God, did you see the news? And I had no idea what she was talking about. And I looked online, and the Chicago Sun, Chicago Sun Times ran a, a story that he that Alderman Riley introduced a horse carriage ban. So, And he did this because we proved that they are not following the law. They're not self-regulating. And he had had enough. So it was, it was really powerful, and it shows... And I can't stress this enough if you're listening. It shows the importance of sticking with your campaign. You're going to get knocked down. You're going to get, uh, you're going to feel like you're not making a difference. But if you stick with it, you will win. And, and these humane legislation, legislation in general is not quick, but humane legislation is much slower. So, 
Uh, that is one thing that I can't stress enough is if you stick with it, you will win. And you, if you keep fighting, you'll win. So uh, quick segue here. I know we've got Gloria on the line, uh, who is my partner in Dallas, Texas. And uh, I would like to bring her on. Gloria? Hi, Jody. Hi, Hi, Gloria. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Thank you for having me. You're welcome. So uh, we had some big uh, news uh, the day after New Year's Day. uh, Gloria and I received some calls and emails. So, Gloria, why don't you tell us uh, and tell our our listeners what happened on Tuesday? (laughs) So uh, a reporter with the Dallas Morning News uh, reached out to me and wanted to do a story. Yeah. Um, yeah. So exciting stuff. Yeah. And like Barbara had just mentioned, media is key. Uh, and oh, by the way, we forgot to mention when I got that call from the aide that day, she said, I told her about the violations and asked her to pass that along. And I told her that the next morning I was putting out press releases and we're hoping to get media on the issue and on the fact that Chicago's horse carriage trade is not monitored or law, and laws are not enforced. So pass that along to him. So we did put out that press release and we did get, I think, two, at least two television interviews and multiple paper, newspaper uh, pieces uh, about that, that, that Saturday in November. So the media is what got, I don't think, I personally don't think that if we got media, a ban would have been introduced at that time. So Gloria, this media that we received from Dallas Morning News, and then the next day, or was that later that day that we got the call from the ABC affiliate? Uh, That was, I believe that was a few days later to look through my records. Okay, but yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we got we so far in one week or in a matter of days we got multiple uh, news, uh, print media, and then uh, we were interviewed by the ABC affiliate. So uh, this is the first uh, big step in getting to your full ban. I I fully believe. <laughs> yes, and I just want to bring up briefly how back in the summer. Uh, you know, your team was was working hard to try to get it out in the news that they were working. The horse carriage company was working the horses above the 99. Uh, yep, the temperature um, yeah. uh, limit. So, uh, yeah, Gloria and her uh, colleague has been out there doing exactly what Barbara and Claudia and Paula and I would do and go out and monitor the trade and look for violations. And in Chicago, our temperature limit for the summer was 90 degrees, which sounds hot to me. But in Dallas, Mm -hmm. it's 99. The horses can work up to 99 degrees. But what Gloria witnessed last summer, what, at least five times, would you say, Gloria? Yes. Yeah, she witnessed horses working in 100 plus degree heat in Dallas, Texas. And so with some of this media, uh, of course, they're interviewing the owner of the carriage company now, which is to be expected. It's a two way story. You got to have you got to interview both sides. Uh, And people have told us that, you know, there are city council members feeling sympathy now for the carriage owner. And we understand that. Look, our goal is not to put people out of business or to you know, get people to lose their jobs. But the fact is, is we'd rather have, or this is not a good way to put put it, but you don't want people to lose their jobs, but you definitely don't want people to lose their lives or horses to lose their lives with this trade. So uh, when, if people are feeling sympathy for this company, that's understandable, but then we are proving that the company works the horses when it's 100 plus degrees, which is illegal. It's illegal and it's inhumane. So uh, tell us, that's not the only violations Gloria has witnessed. Tell us about the other other, uh, violations of Dallas's city code that you have uh, documented and videotaped. Well, basically they, uh, it's it's a trade that's not being... Regulated, it's not being monitored. Uh, nobody, they, they basically just do their own thing. Um, you know, they do not follow uh, basic traffic laws. 
you know, run red lights, um, go, going the wrong way. Yeah, she's got a video uh, working, of a... Oh, sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. you. Yeah, uh, it, it, and this is at night, on Saturday nights, when everybody, you know, young folks are out there with loud, fast cars, uh, music, you know. Yeah, uh, and you've also witnessed mm-hmm. ho- witnessed horses in ride, parked in rideshare lanes and also actually being worked uh, with passengers in bike lanes, right? Yes. So yes. that mm-hmm. is, I mean, if you've got a slow horse carriage going down a bike lane uh, and a biker comes by, uh, that could be a real, real bad tragedy. And uh, so a lot of times, and what I've found through the partnership is I talk to people from, we have partners all over the world in Malta, Philadelphia, New York City, Boston, Minneapolis, uh, Vancouver. And the same is true everywhere. There are laws on the books to protect the horses and the public, but nobody is enforcing them. And this is true not just for horse carriages, but many industries that use animals for profit. There are laws to protect the animals and the public, but they are rarely enforced unless there are advocates like like Gloria, uh, like Barbara and Claudia, who are out there to make sure that the animals are being uh, protected, but they're not oftentimes. And so uh, these are the law, these are the violations that Gloria will be sharing with and has shared with the city council member. And we did press releases over the summer to try to get media on these violations. Nobody was hitting, nobody, you know, the media wasn't hitting then, but they're hitting now. And, uh, and this is, it's huge. And Gloria is doing an amazing job. So thank you, Gloria. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So uh, one thing we need uh, uh, very much is we need businesses to sign on in support of this Dallas horse carriage ban. We need Dallas businesses. We need Dallas veterinarians, equine veterinarians, equine rescues, sanctuaries, uh, or any business for that matter. So, uh, Gloria, do you want to say anything about that? Uh, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, down uh, to the AT and T Discovery District, which is the I'm calling it the last frontier, and just look at the uh, the businesses that are around there. I know that um, it, it's not a trade that's that's welcomed because it is such a party city area. If you'll look at their website, I mean it's there. It's not a place for a, a horse to be. Exactly. And a lot of these urban areas are just, they're allowed. I remember once during our campaign of taking a video of not necessarily the, or maybe it was the horses, but just an average 30 second or one minute day or one minute in the life of Michigan Avenue, the corner of Michigan Avenue in Chicago, and just the noise, the cars whizzing by, the motorcycles, the buses, the garbage trucks, the bicycle, I mean, not that the bikers are loud, but it's a fast moving, a biker being fast moving can scare a horse. And that's, they're prey animals wearing blinders. So it's an urban environment like Dallas or Chicago is not an appropriate place for a carriage horse. But here's the other thing, the other side of that coin. We know of numerous fatalities where horses were working in a rural area doing giving uh, holiday rides, holiday carriage rides, where the horse still gets spooked. So even though, even if you say they don't belong in urban areas, carriage rides don't really belong in rural areas either because, uh, you know, one off the top of my head is a a man was giving a carriage ride and the horse got spooked through the driver and it killed him. Uh, These are, these happen every, every, almost every day. I I see a new uh, fatality. So, uh, uh, yeah, so Gloria, and if you are listening and you own a business or you own a rescue or you're a veterinarian uh, or you own a coffee shop or a restaurant, we want your support. If you support this Humane Horse Carriage Ban in Dallas, please reach out to Gloria or me and let us know you support. We're, we're keeping an ongoing list of businesses that support 
uh, these humane measures. In Chicago, we had more than 200 business endorsements at the end of our campaign, which represented millions of people who wanted to see horse carriages banned in Chicago. So, uh, Gloria, please let... um, Please let our listeners know how they can reach out to you if they want to support this campaign. Well, one way they can reach out to me is through the, well, my email address. Uh, Let me go ahead and give you that. Uh, That's Gloria underscore Raquel. That's R-A-Q-U-E-L 2003 at Yahoo. Or you can send me a text to 214-562-4676. And I just want to say that the main thing that uh, that it that got us media attention, in my opinion, is is definitely reaching out to those council members. Yes, definitely. And getting them to bring it bring it up in these meetings. Yes, that's what that's what media. Yeah, and Gloria uh, has been implementing the daily action alerts that we started in 2017. So she's been. Uh, posting these on Ban Horse Carriages Dallas uh, Facebook page for a couple of years now, and she provides the phone number, email address, Facebook page, uh, Twitter handle, Instagram handle for uh, the city council members of Dallas and to the mayor of Dallas. So if you live in Dallas, it's important if you support this humane measure, please, uh, if you're on Facebook, check out Ban Horse Carriages Dallas, join Gloria's group, and uh, help her with these actions. And also, if you live in Dallas, uh, call or email your city council member. Look them up, give them a quick call, and just tell them, ask them if they support it, and ask for a return call. And if people live outside of Dallas, Gloria, who should they call? Uh, still, Eric, the city mayor, Eric Johnson, at 214 3301 or 214-670-3111. Let them know that you do not want to go to a city where this is allowed. Yeah, you want to spend your tourism dollars in cities that don't exploit horses or put them in harm's way. Exactly. Uh, Eric Johnson, his uh, email address is eric.johnson at dallascityhall.com or Info, I-N-F-O, at johnson4dallas.com. Exactly. Uh, Well, uh, and let me mention that in one of the articles, uh, one of the uh, city council members in Dallas stated that he didn't support a ban because if the horses lose their jobs, they'll end up likely going to slaughter. Now, this is a scare tactic that every city or every pro-horse carriage uh, either owner or operator uses because they will blame if any horses go to slaughter or to kill pens, they blame animal advocates. And that is exactly what it is, is a scare tactic. We don't yeah. want horses going to slaughter. We actually received a message the other day after we received the media from someone saying, why don't all you animal advocates put a bullet in the horse in each of the horse's heads? That's what she said to us. But What it comes down to, at the end of the day, our horses, sadly, are still considered property. So uh, the only person, the only people who have any control over where the horses will go are the owners of the horses. Animal advocates cannot take horses away from these owners. We cannot, we could buy them, but we don't have the money to do so. But what we will do is we will reach out to every horse rescue, horse sanctuary, uh, good homes, and we'll get homes for every horse that needs a home. That is, if the owner needs new homes. I mean, hopefully they they will care for these horses uh, if they're not putting them in harm's way, and they'll, they'll care for them. But if they can't either afford to, no lo- to keep, you know, keep good care of them or feed them, we will find good homes for them. So yes. that's right. So, Gloria, thank you so much for all your work. You are doing an amazing job, and uh, you really are... Uh, one of the most dedicated people I have ever met, and uh, I really appreciate appreciate you because I have talked to so many partners and people around the world. And the sad thing is, unfortunately, if you don't stick with it, you won't get a ban. And a lot of people I've talked to uh, aren't aren't sticking with it. And we need the, we need you to. We want you to. Uh, so uh, again, Gloria, I, we appreciate you, and uh, we will keep working with you until the horses are off Dallas's streets. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, 
So, and I've been, I should have said this earlier, but if you want to call and ask a question or learn more about how you can ban horse carriages in your city or town, the number here is 773-763-9278. That's the number to WCPT, and we'd be happy to talk to you. So, uh, what am I forgetting, Claudia? I want to mention something. (laughs) Uh, The tourist money that you mentioned before. And I checked before I came here. I have a group of friends that we always go to Airbnbs, like driving distance. The five times already happened. They want to go to Mackinac Island. Ah. And I said no. And we're five people. So five times five people. We're five people that we were going to spend money every time we go to Airbnb, we buy food. We are not going to Mackinac Island because right. of me. They, yeah. they don't care. They are not vegan or anything, but... But because of me, they're not going. Right. So they're losing business. Exactly. With people like us. Yes. And there was just a recent ac- accident in Mackinac Island oh, in, uh, uh, maybe been the fall. I don't know the exact date. Yeah. But there's so many. I can't keep track. <laughs> I mean, there really are so many. I just read three in the last two months that happened. Uh, and the one in Mackinac Island, and there's a video of it online where the horse takes off and there are people in the in the carriage. I mean, I've seen videos of a woman having to jump out of a, of a real fast moving carriage with a, a an infant in her hands, in her arms. So <laughs> it's not just horses. You know, this really is a very serious issue for the people as well. And uh, we know uh, that there are many cities that are working on bans. San Antonio, Philly, New York City, Boston, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Atlanta. Uh, so we want to help you. I've said this already, but we really want to help you. And it looks like we've got a caller uh, who has a question about horse carriages. Uh, Jeff in Chicago, welcome. Hey, how are you? Um, Good. This is fascinating, by the way. Um, And so I had an observation that leads into a question. My observation was um, I'm an animal lover. I always just assumed that there's easier ways to make money than run a horse carriage business. So the people that get into this must also be animal lovers and must also respect and care for animals and understand that horses are intelligent and have emotions and you know, all of that. So it kind of boggled my mind to hear how many violations and how many crazy things can happen and have been happening prior to the ban here in Chicago. Um, so my question is, any insight into the ownership and how that happens? Because, I, I mean, is it like people that used to once upon a time run taxi cabs where it used to be a single independent business person kind of thing. And over the years, they just got gobbled up by bigger corporations that just didn't care as much. I mean, how, how do you go from, you know, running a, a horse carriage and a horse that you, you know, raised and love and whatever to, you know, just not caring how long it's being worked and not giving it water and, and all of that. That just, that part just floors me. Yeah, I, I agree. The thing is, and what I believe is I do believe the people who, who own these horses do care. I, I, I don't, and I definitely don't want to think they don't care, but I think they get to the point where profit is more important than animal welfare. And if they keep that horse out a few more hours, they're going to make another hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars And so, and it's basically true of so almost, like a, go ahead. An incremental thing like creep over time. It just becomes... Well, more and more, and then it, you become used to it, and then that's kind of your norm. It's now a 10-hour day, and now it's 11-hour day, you know? Yeah, kind of I'm not sure time. how it started, but we we have seen, there was one horse carriage operator, oh my gosh, I want to ask you this, Barbara, but uh, there was one who, when she, uh, Claudia had mentioned the cigarette, uh, we have a video of her also throwing a cigarette butt down by the horse's hooves. One of my volunteer volunteers, Lindsay, who also is no longer with us, who was an amazing volunteer uh, with our campaign and also who helped uh, shut down Ringling's uh, most cruel industry, uh, she videotaped her throwing the cigarette down at the horse's hooves and said, and, and the, the, the cigarette butt was still smoking. So all the smoke is coming up in the horse's face and she's videotaping it in the the driver finally picks it up and puts it in the garbage. And so I hope this woman cared about the horses, but I can't imagine throwing a cigarette butt down at an animal's feet. So 
there may be people, some people who care more about the horses, but uh, at the end of the day, I think profit trumps animal welfare. There were some drivers, too, who we had started seeing at the beginning, towards the beginning of the campaign, who actually left, who stopped driving. Yeah, and that we believe cared. Right, and one of them was named uh, Wendy. Yeah. And we think, just from having limited interactions with her, that she, a light bulb went on in her head. So I think sometimes they... They go through some kind of evolution. Right. And we, you know, I want to make it very clear that we had no interest in, you know, this was not a personal thing against the owners or the or the drivers. We just didn't want the horses being exploited like they were being. So, uh, Jeff, I hope we answered your question. Yeah. Uh, speaking of light bulbs, I mean, that's what literally we got me to call. I didn't understand the, the nuances until you guys laid it out that way. And I hope more people, especially animal lovers, there are still animal lovers who think, like, oh, how cute, a horse-drawn carriage, like, that's romantic, so nice, you know, like, who, I guess, aren't thinking about the ramifications of that. So I think, I, I hope a lot of people listen to the show tonight um, and, and have that light bulb go off as well. Well, thank you so much. And uh, and I agree. The, the My goal as an animal activist is not to ever put anyone down or make them feel guilty for for anything. It's about education because that's really what it's about is people. And I'll tell you this, at the start of our campaign, when we first started doing outreach on the street, people would come up to us and say, you're crazy. Those horses are fine. And then as the time went on and we showed that these horses were worked 12 plus hours a day, they weren't provided water. Uh, and when, when you talk about food and water, the law in the books was that they were required to provide water, I believe every 15 minutes. There was no law on the book that ever required food. So you're talking about 1,000-plus pound animals going 12-plus hours working without food. And we never saw food until the end of the campaign when they knew we were down there with our videos. So then they would all of a sudden have a, a bucket of, of grain or, or something for them. But we never—that wasn't even a requirement, food. So, yes, uh, education is really key in letting people know why this is uh, not only an inhumane activity, but incredibly dangerous to everybody in that thousand plus pound horse's wake, should he or she spook. Uh, so, Barbara, can you quickly tell us a story about the kitty? <laughs> okay. So this goes back to the horse carriage driver named Wendy. And she knew we were trying to be kind of under the radar with our cameras, you know, documenting everything we saw. But Wendy, they knew us by that point, and Wendy knew we were there. And so I had my car off to the side, um, trying to stay out of sight as we would follow them around when they were um, driving. And um, she came up and knocked on my window, and she told me a story. She said, look, I know you guys care about animals, and I just bought this little kitten off of a teenager who had it on a leash and the kitten's clearly sick. And so um, between Jody and myself going back and forth figuring out, well, how are we going to help this kitten? We took the kitten from Wendy, got some food for the kitten at Walgreens, and I ended up adopting the cat and he's been with me <laughs> since August 12th of twenty. Um, 12, oh, 2017. 2017, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have too many cats. Um, and his name is Smokey. But Wendy, the driver, um, not came to us. Yeah. She, you know, she was... She uh, cared. Yes, she did. And so the, and the cat got a, a good home out of it, too. At first, I, I thought she was just trying to throw us off of our game and, and get us to stop documenting and go home and and she said to us this cat needs veterinary attention you've got to take this cat to the vet so we thought she's just trying to get us to leave the downtown area and when we opened that can of cat food uh barbara's in the driver's seat i was in the passenger seat so i'm opening the can of cat food and the cat bit my finger she was so hungry so yeah she needed veterinary attention but she needed food and that's why she was so she was lethargic she was she was a kitten, and most kittens are full of energy. This was a little kitten who was barely moving, but the minute she smelled that food, she was like, "Oh, that's what I need." She was had not had any nutrition. Yeah, and this and this teenage boy was selling this little kitten. He had it on a leash, could hardly walk, 
for 20, you know, and Wendy bought it off the teenager for 20 bucks. It's, it's yeah. So, so we're not, again, we're not trying to put down any horse carriage operators or owners. We, and you, we hope you do love the, your horses and that if you, a ban does happen, you do the right thing by your horses and you, you continue to care for them if you can. And if you can't, then reach out to us. We will find rescues and sanctuaries for any horses that need homes after, uh, if there is a horse carriage ban in your city. Uh, I want to mention a uh, uh, a recent video that I uh, my my partner in Philadelphia, who was integral in getting the horses off the streets in Philadelphia, uh, sent to me recently. It's a horse, uh, a one horse on, with a carriage on a beach in Baja. Bahia, Brazil. I'm not sure if I'm saying Bahia that right. Bahia is a, oh, okay. a, an area in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. So this horse is uh, with a carriage, has about t- 10, maybe 8, 10 people, you know, all in bikinis, all look like they were all drinking and jumping on the carriage. And this horse is struggling through the sand. You can see it. And the next thing you see is the horse on the ground panting. And the horse ended up dying from heat stroke and exhaustion. So... It's just, you know, I'm not trying to, like, make everybody incredibly sad, but this video is very hard to watch. And it's not fun. I don't know why anybody thinks exploiting and harming animals is fun. So it's just another example of why these horse horse carriages need to be banned worldwide. And uh, uh, so accidents and fatalities, it's not a matter of but, or a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. So, um any last thoughts coming from uh, Barbara or Claudia? Um, I, I just want to say that working on that campaign, um, that was really my first campaign. Um, and I learned so much from you, Jody. You really um, are the definition of sticking to something and really getting it done. <laughs> Same. And you're relentless. <laughs> I mean, and I just learned so much from you. And um, I'm so glad Chicago has you, you know, I'm so glad the world has you. And I think, Jody, you're going to get, you're going to continue to get things done. And I just want to say thank you. (laughs) You're making me cry. (laughs) Yes, same. We we learn a lot from you. Uh, And I was motivated, but even if I wasn't, you would make me motivated. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Saturday morning there, Sunday morning there. I remember and uh, we have a goal and we got there, but yeah. because of you. Well, thank you both for those kind words. Uh, and I couldn't have done it without you. I mean, without you both and uh, Paula oh. and many others. Uh, we had a lot of volunteers on the campaign who who made that call to their city council member or who emailed their city council member and who testified with us at city council and would sit, get to city council at 7 a.m. and sit until 10 o'clock to get in. And that's what we did. We had to get at city council to be the first, one of the first 10 people in line. First time we did it, we, we didn't know how it worked. We got there at 930 and we, we couldn't do it. And so then we started getting there early and earlier. And uh, uh, we really would get there at 7 a.m. and sit on the floor and, prepare our three-minute presentation uh and uh and half the time the city council ignored us and they wouldn't look at us and uh uh but we reached them because we ended up winning that campaign 46 to 4 which is uh overwhelming all right so we're running out of time and i will just close out today with this quote the moment you think of the poor horse struggling to pull the carriage, not the people smiling on the carriage, you are on the way to becoming a human. And that was by Mehmet Murat Ildan, a contemporary Turkish playwright, novelist, and thinker. So thank you for listening today. This is Jody Whitaker of the Chicago Alliance for Animals and the Partnership to Ban Horse Carriages Worldwide. Please uh, check us out um, on Facebook or at ChicagoAllianceForAnimals.org to find out and help with our very active campaigns to free Spur the Tortoise, free Rocky the Coyote, and ban horse carriages worldwide. Thank you very much, and I hope you'll listen in next Saturday.